KYW Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. To me, every day is beautiful. Every day is a gift. That feeling that first year that you have is amazing because you know that you, you beat something. When you get a win, you feel great, but right. it does disappear later. So there are times when I do forget about it. Then there are times when I'm moved to tears because I do, I'll see something that one of my kids does, and I'm like, wow, am I glad I'm here to see this. And our guest this week, Cabrini University head field hockey and women's lacrosse coach Jackie Neary, who is in her 23rd season out in Radnor. And th- first of all, thanks for coming in. Thank you. So head coach at the collegiate level, has to be exhausting. How exhausted are you at the end of a season after having two teams to deal with? If, if we do well, it's a good exhaustion. <laughs> um, and I, I'm actually pretty blessed. I think that in the majority of the springs, it is a very successful season. So I do really look forward to the summer and sort of shutting down. Um, but, I mean, I, I live to coach. I really do enjoy it. So it's not terribly exhausting. <laughs> So let's start at the beginning as far as your career. You were a field hockey and lacrosse player growing yes, up. Which came first? Uh, how did uh, you get introduced to the sports? Uh, middle school. You know, I think I was sort of a student that struggled a little bit in school. And the beauty of getting involved with sports is it gave me a goal and it made me a better student. So when I entered middle school, that's when I was introduced to organized sports. And I really fell in love with um, the women that coached me. The girls that I played with, you know, I really bought into, and it just became part of my being, being an athlete. Did you do both at the same time? Like no, you... so field hockey was in the fall. Okay. Then I went on to basketball. Then it was lacrosse. Um, and then in high school, basketball for a couple of years, but hockey and lacrosse were the primary sports. When did you start to realize, you talk about the, you know, like the relationships and stuff, but when did you start to realize, I'm pretty good at this? Like, this could be a little bit more than just having fun in, in high school. You know, that's a tough question, uh, especially with the team sport, because you always think about your team is very good, not the individual. You know, I think it was I was fortunate that there were some people that mentored me and pushed me in the right direction. Had it not been for athletics, I don't know if I would have attended college. So I think, um, you know, back in the 80s, you would actually try out at a you would audition at a university. And, uh, you know, to my great fortune, Temple University, you know, was really turned my whole life around, you know, being a student athlete at Temple. So talk to me about about going there. Was the goal, and you mentioned trying out, was the goal, I'm going to go there and I'm going to play both, or how did it come together? I think it came out more so when you went there, they had you actually play both sports that day. So there was multiple, my my roommate Kathleen Geiger, who's the coach at Springfield High School, very successful. Her and I, I think, were there probably at the same time for the tryout. And then afterwards, you were told, you were given a call a day or two later, you know, about how you did and what the expectation was. Um, and I know earlier you mentioned Pauly, and I remember talking. The father said, wait till you get that call. Make sure this is what the offer is. So, uh, you know, just the, the majority of us back in the 80s were there playing both sports. That was just that's how it was, I think, back then for a lot of universities. And Pauly is Dave Pauly and his dad, yes, Dave Pauly, former one-on-one guest, who uh, is head men's basketball coach at the University of Sciences. It is a small world. It is a small world because they're former you know, Ridley people, and that's where I grew up. So that's the connection with them. So during your college career, you had success. The team had success both ways. But let's focus on the women's lacrosse because you— Field hockey was good. Yes. Women's lacrosse was kind of the stuff that legends are made of. What was? Did you realize right away once you got with that team that I think you went to the Final Four four times? 
uh, that, whoa, this is special? You know, I think what made it special was the coaches that we had. And the, the unique thing about Temple in the 80s is they were given opportunities to a lot of young females that maybe were not being picked up by Penn State, uh, Maryland. So if you look back at our group in the 80s, it was a, ver- a variety of people. And that's where I first learned, you know, from my coach, Tina Sloan Green, how important diversity is. All kinds of diversity, whether it's economic, religion, the strength of that, of bringing that group together. So, you know, it wasn't like Tina talked about we're going to the national championship. It just sort of organically happened by us working hard every day, having these amazing coaches, you know, Sue Stahl, Gwen Cheeseman was the field hockey. These are all former Olympic and also World Cup players. And more importantly, they genuinely cared about all of us. So they were probably more interested in us as people off the field than on the field. You know, I actually was one of those kids that did not do well with the transition from high school to college. I missed home. My now husband was my high school sweetheart. So, you know, being away from him was tough. And the good thing was Tina Sloan Green actually, you know, talked to my family and said, listen, this is normal. Don't don't let her talk you into that she needs to come home. And, you know, my mom and dad, you know, God rest their souls, always really thanked Tina for sort of educating them. You know, I was a first-generation going to attending college. So it was really, you know, through Tina's wisdom and her constant communication with my family that, you know, held my feet in there. Because first year at any college, I think, can be difficult. And Tina really made me tough it out. And in the end, it was worth it. You know, sophomore year, I got back there. I'm like, I love this. You know, freshman year can be difficult. So you know, I just look back at my years at Temple with such um, fond memories. And I think, you know, that they have made me who I am as a coach at Cabrini, what I learned at Temple. Did you realize playing for, for Tina Sloan Green and coaches like that, how at the time, how special they were? Or does it get, as you get further removed and you kind of see the landscape of everywhere, are you like, wow, I really was, it was special? I don't know if I knew it in the moment. You know, I also had the luxury of coaching with Tina for two years, and that was when I had had my first child. So on long bus rides, talking with Tina, and I just, I, I just, it started to realize, wow, all the lessons that she was teaching me during that time. And I think, you know, with eighteen to twenty-two, you don't quite get it, but literally, I think by twenty-five, I'm like, wow, she did set a great table for me and, and point me in the right direction. So you win a national championship, Temple Women's Lacrosse. You beat Maryland, a premier program. What what was that like? And you, the the team was so good your entire career, Temple. But did that year feel a little different, or did it kind of feel like the rest of them? And things just fell in line as the the, the season went on. You know, it was just I think it was an amazing win that year because I think during that season we had gotten crushed by Maryland, so it really was a pretty big upset. Um, and we we had fabulous seniors and juniors. I was a sophomore at that point. It was an amazing experience. I mean, it was. It's, it's, it's almost hard to recall because it's almost a blur because it was so much fun. You know, I, I, I think Tina was pregnant on the sideline. Like it, it was a, for us as young women, you know, it, it was unimaginable to be, you know, in Boston playing in the national championship. So I, it was just amazing. Do you remember the end of the game? Like when you yeah, guys won I do, it? I do because we, we actually stalled the ball. And that was like a big, you know, and that was hard. There was no, back then there was no restraining line. It was 11-11 full field. And I think we stalled it. You know, I wish one of my teammates could probably, they'd know more facts about this. I think we actually stalled the ball for eight minutes. Like it was a, a game of keep away. 
So it was it was very cool. And it's just building as you're holding yes. on and the clock's clock. going down. The clock. It, has a clock ever moved slower in your life <laughs> than it did? The- well, on the coaching sidelines from now, yes. <laughs> I have experienced it, yes. So coaching, was this always going to be the next step? Were you always going to stay involved? How did uh, you get involved in coaching? I think it really happened accidentally. You know, when I graduated, um, I actually was hired at uh, Federal Express, which was, you know, a great company, is still a great company. And um, luckily, the job that back then was part-time was busy in the AM. So my high school, Ridley, needed a field hockey, an assistant field hockey coach. And I also assisted lacrosse there. So my first year out, it just sort of happened, you know, by chance. Um, and then when I actually went full-time at Federal Express, I remember being very upset in my kitchen crying with my parents and my mom and dad said, listen, you'll have another opportunity. If coaching's meant to be, it's going to happen. And, you know, they, as usual, they were right. Your parents are always right. You know, I think two years later, Tina actually called me. So that's who got me into, you know, college coaching. Um, but I, it wasn't something I didn't like when I was my senior year. I didn't think of being a college mm-hmm. coach. I think it just happened because of missing sports. You know, and missing that feeling that you get being with a team. For me, I never really remember the scores. It's the relationships. And that's what I so much enjoyed as a player. And even now as a coach, I really do enjoy the relationships that are built by being part of a collegiate team. How was the transition to coaching from the standpoint that when you're a player and you play at a high level, you're out there, you're in control, you make it happen. When you're coaching, you can imp- and brew the knowledge and everything, but it only goes so far. The kids yeah. have to do it. it. Was it tough at first to see that control, for lack of a better term? Because uh, you, kn- you knew what had to happen, right. and sometimes it didn't. So I guess when I became a head coach, but I was fortunate when I was head coach at Cabrini that John Zeke was our AD, and he also is you know, one of my strongest mentors. So he was able, there was times when I'd call him and sit down with him. But in high, when I did the high school, I was an assistant. So an assistant coach is a much easier position. Not, I'm not taking away from what no, they do, you- but the head coach is the one that loses sleep at night. Um, so when I was first out of college, it was great going back to your high school, and I was showing them things that I learned at Temple. It was invaluable. Then the head coaching thing was a whole new world. Um, and I think what has helped me and given me success throughout the year is having very strong assistance. But I do think, you know, thank God I have still have mentors. Marge Watson is another big mentor of mine. Legendary, you know, was the, the 84 Olympic field hockey coach, um, a legend at her sinus in every hall of fame still. And I think Marge won't want me to share her age, but she's still somebody that I call, you know, about games. Like we can sit and have candid conversations or about conversations what might go on with your athletes. So I, I rely heavily on a big pool of mentors and I count on their uh, input. You've mentioned, we, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but how did you come to Cabrini? How did this come together? Via the Daily Times. <laughs> <laughs> my husband actually saw the article Coach, Coach wanted. And uh, my, he's the one, that the Daily Times was like the Bible to him. <laughs> and he told me about it. I called, went in for interview with John Zeke. And, you know, it was sort of, he made me fall in love with it, John Zeke. I watched what he did, how many years he did at the college. So he really instilled this, like, this is the best place to be. You know, Cabrini is wonderful. And I think I caught on to it. You know, I drank that juice right away, and I didn't have to force it down. Um, so really, it was just by one it had. And I had left, what had happened, I had left Temple at that point. So I was an assistant at Temple for four years. Two with Tina, and then two with um, Kim Shiraka. Um So when I stepped away... I officiated and 
I think my husband saw that I missed, you know, I loved officiating, but I missed that, the relationship part of the athletes. And, and then I just jumped in there and started their women's lacrosse program, which was really a unique experience. I've truly enjoyed it. You know, at that point we had 14 girls on the team, probably seven of them that played seven that have never played. I picked a tennis player off to be our goalie because I figured, okay, she can bat the ball down. Um, we only had one un- uniform that first year because, it, you know, they just, it was a new sport. It was a club sport essentially for that first year. And we did very well. So it's pretty, uh, pretty rewarding right now to be, you know, approaching the 24th year and knowing that the alumni that come back, we just had our alumni game and they're coming with their children and hearing what they're doing. And I really do cherish those early years because it was so unique starting a program. So you started lacrosse. Yes. Field hockey was existed, w- existed yes. already. Were you hired to do both? No. You were I, hired to do field hockey? Or field? Later. Okay. I was hired just to do lacrosse. Okay. And what happened was I think at that point the coach had stepped away. Might It was the Villanova coach actually I think to the year. The field hockey coach, Joni, was at Cabrini left. They brought somebody in for a year. I'm not sure of all that. But what happened, I remember John Z called me over the summer, and he's like, listen, we can't find a coach. Is there any way? And at that point, I had so many girls that played both sports, and I knew it was important to get somebody in that position right away because of having recruits come in. And that's really how it happened. And I wasn't looking to do that, but it's been wonderful because, I, you know, having been a college athlete that played both, to me it was very natural to do both. Um, you know, it's a little different now because now you don't get as much, you know, you get a lot of kids coming in for one sport. In my first 10 years at Cabrini, the majority of my kids played both. Now I get a lot of kids that will be soccer lacrosse, basketball lacrosse, still get the hockey lacrosse or kids that just do one. But I think the reason some of these kids like playing for me is the work-life balance that I have because of doing both sports. So um, they, they value that. The kids that play for me value that. Those early years, specifically when you're creating a program, and you talk about how much you you cherish those. I mean, you kind of went everybody. How much fun? I mean, you're blazing a trail. Like you're setting. You know, you're you're kind of told, "Hey, here's what we need." But yeah. uh, to to kind of be putting your your post in the ground and say, uh, "You know, this is this is going to be mine." That's got to be wild. Yeah, and I don't think I knew that then. Now looking back, now you know, being over fifty mm. and looking back, it's like, wow, that was a pretty large task to take on at 31, I guess it was, you know, to be a head coach. But once again, I think I had a great support system, not only, you know, in my family, my husband, my parents, because I was raising children as well. So, you know, that made it tricky. I was working two jobs to coach part-time at Cabrini because I love coaching and I had a husband who would take a ton of overtime. So I was able to do that. Um, you know, and I, I think it was fun, you know, like at that point, sometimes we would be lining the field. Like, it was, you know, now you don't even worry about that kind of stuff. It's, I like my team right now to hear that oral history of what, you know, we did back then and how we made this work. You know, now that they have a turf field and they have locker rooms, you know, we didn't have that stuff. So I think it's great to have that oral history. And I always appreciated that when I was an athlete, our coaches would give us the oral history. You'd have the alumni come back and talk about what they, their struggles, you know, and there's a lot of like struggles, but then there's also different ones because of the timing and where we've come in athletics with female sports and everything. So I think it's the oral history is amazing for kids to know. And the fact that I actually lived it and was there even makes it more valuable. So you, you talk, you're doing two sports. You talk about all this with the family, four kids. And oh, by the way, then in 2000, you're diagnosed with cancer. Yes. Was this something where you not feeling well and you went to the doctor or was this because I, you sometimes hear people go in just for a checkup, something's a little off, and it goes from there. Uh, no, I had just delivered my baby, and I was actually playing tennis up the pool with my husband, feeling great. 
and that just went in, you know, because there were some a couple like female things going on, and I didn't think anything of it. And my youngest Shay, who now plays for me, who's a freshman, was probably a month old, and my OBG OBGYN walked in, white as a ghost. I'm trying to like console him. He's like, "Listen, you know, I have some bad news. You have cancer. You're going to have an oncologist will be down in a couple of minutes to talk to you." And I'm like. But once again, I love this man. He's delivered four of my children and he looked terrified and I'm like, it's going to be all right. And in walks in my good friend now, uh, Dr. Dagger, former U of Penn, Crozier Medical Hospital. He's now over in South Jersey. We are still, he comes to my games, walks in and said, listen, it's not going to be easy, but you're, we're going to take care of this. And he just instilled, and because of athletics, he knew how to speak to me and he instilled that this won't be easy, but we will do this. And I was diagnosed with choriocarcinoma. It basically was a cancer that probably developed um, when I was pregnant. And the things that made me high risk in this group is I was considered old and I should have miscarried. It normally strikes girls that are 18 to 22 and they would miscarriage. So the fact that I was able to have my, ch- you know, my, do- my child delivered healthy and everything was good, I was grateful for that. So, um, you know, that, that, that was the big things that made me high risk. So they did a hysterectomy right away because they said, you have four children. This is one way to sort of expedite it. And then it was roughly like six months of chemotherapy. Um, it, it wasn't easy at the end. It, it got tough at the end. I was, I'm very lucky to be here. Uh, the one thing that kept me going besides my four children was my teams, you know, going to those field hockey games. Like that was the only thing I had to do in between treatments, you know, an overnight stay in the hospital doing chemotherapy every other week. It was overnight. I'd have people fill in and coach for me. Marge Watson once John Zeke filled in a game. Steve Colfar, men's lacrosse coach. Um, so, you know, I'm always happy to speak about being a survivor because I think people out there right now that are battling cancer need to hear, you know, that it's, you know, that you can do it. It might be difficult, but hang in there, you know, fight through it, do what you need to do. Listen to your oncologist because there was times, you know, I didn't want to listen to him. But in the end, you know, I'm here today because of modern medicine. And, you know, I'm sure there was a little bit of magic, too, or, you know, my faith. But I'm, I'm just thrilled to be alive. <laughs> and we need to take a break right now on One on One. We will be back with more with Cabrini's Jackie Neary right after this. I'm Matt Leon, sports reporter and anchor here at KYW News Radio. Talking to athletes, coaches, people in Philly sports every day, you find out they have incredible stories to tell. So I started a podcast, a weekly conversation with someone you should know more about. It's called One on One with Matt Leon. Subscribe now wherever you listen. And we're back. One on one continues as we continue our conversation with Jackie Neary, head women's lacrosse and field hockey coach at Division Three Cabrini University. You talk about how tough it got yeah. at, at times. When did you realize you had turned the corner? And was there a moment, a doctor's visit, or or something where they started to talk about, "Hey, we're in a good spot here, and if it keeps going." The turning point probably would have been right before my championship field hockey game. We had to go down. The semis was at Wesley, Delaware. And actually, our men's lacrosse coach called one of my old assistants, who is now my assistant for lacrosse, called her and said, Jack's not looking good. You might want to go with her. So that was on Wednesday. She comes down with me. I was not looking good. We won the game. It was an upset because we were away. We should, you know, we were the visiting mm-hmm. team. Um, so that 
Friday, I remember being home and saying to my husband, and I was not good. Like, I, I didn't help me out. I was. He actually, I'm talking about getting to the game next day. And he's like, uh, okay. You know, I, I think I was probably delirious. I ended up in the emergency room the next day in the hospital for a week with a fever. Like, literally, Dr. Degger said, you know, one of the worst cases you've seen of where the chemo, at that point, the cancer was gone. The chemotherapy was, the chemo. was kicking my butt. So I get through that week and I'm at home and I still have to do another round of chemotherapy. So that was, that's where um, my slogan of one more time, you know, I had to actually do a speech um, a couple of years ago with the coaches versus cancer. And I did a speech and I, I talked about one more time. Once again, it sounds cliche, but everything does sort of go back to athletics. So I said to the nurse when I'm going in to do this last chemotherapy and I said, you know, this won't kill me, right? She said, well, we're hoping it shouldn't. And this is after being in the hospital for a week. Right. But my oncologist said, listen, I will not feel good unless we do this. Because, you know, the, the, what is that? What is that? The protocol says you need one more round of this to feel secure. And he said, if you were my wife or my sister, I would make, you know, have you do it. Once he said that, I went in and did it. And, you know, what was great about that six months after that, I felt very confident because I knew I did that extra, that one more time. It was that extra piece that gave me that, you know, when you're, after you do beat cancer, a lot of people go through the struggles of, is it coming back? You're terrified. And for me, having known if I hadn't done that extra round, I think I would have been terrified for months um, where I didn't have that. So, you know, that, that was the turning point, I think. How was the the last round on it you actually, physically? Not very, as bad as yes, it went. So it was a really bad. Yes, I, I survived it, and you know I think it was. You know there was times when we were scared. I, I'm one of those people that always the glass is half full, but boy, you know it's overflowing, <laughs> and uh, you know I, I'm just grateful. Did that change you at all? Yes, it, but I once again, I came from a family that was always grateful, so I already had that instilled in me. But yes, it, you know, you, you put things in perspective. You, it can't help but change you. And, um, you know, I think to me, every day is beautiful. Every day is a gift. You know, and I'm not saying that you're not going to have bad days. Come on, that wouldn't be realistic. But yes, it, it has changed me on many, many levels. That feeling that first year that you have is amazing because you know that you, you beat something and you are lucky to wake up every day. So sometimes I, I don't want to say I miss it, but that was such a unique feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like when you get a win, you feel great, but right. it does disappear later. You know, you forget about it. So there are times when I do forget about it. Then there are times when I'm moved to tears because I do, I'll see something that one of my kids does and I'm like, wow, am I glad I'm here to see this? I mean, when you put it in like the terms of athletic, it's the ultimate victory. Yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah. yeah, I faced my biggest opponent. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I did. Did it change how you coach or anything? It, it might have, um, but I'd like to think I was always a coach that cared more about the person than the player. Because, I, you know, I, I think you you need to really invest yourself in each kid and, you know, appreciate what they're going through. No, that doesn't mean there's days when you're not going to be, you know, yelling at them. But I think I just think there's an appreciation that has been heightened in me on many levels for people and life. I'm interested as we lighten it up a little bit here when you're recruiting and you mentioned kids, is it easier to recruit field hockey, easier to recruit lacrosse in this day and age 
they're both difficult. I mean, because and that's it's tricky coaching both of them, um, you know, because of the club world. You know, I th- think most people know that trying to get to all those things. So I'm still a little old school where I love going to a good high school game. So I do count. You know, I think some things that worries me about the club world is the cost and how it might be shutting some people out. Right. So I still, you know, I get club kids, but I also get that kid on the high school team that maybe I pref- really prefer a multiple sport kid, a kid that's, you know, playing three sports, busting their butt. Um, and not that the club kid's not busting their butt, but I, I, I still would love to go see a Ridley Springfield game. Um, and the recruiting in general is is hard, I think, any at any level now just because – there's just so many choices, especially mm-hmm. with lacrosse. It's the fastest growing sport. Every college is starting it. Um, and I think I was very blessed in my first 10 years at Cabrini. Cabrini has a wonderful, um, was always known a reputation for uh, putting out teachers. So a lot of my alumni that come back, they're all in education. Um, so, you know, I think kids used to fall on my lap just because, because of that. But now, you know, girls are picking different majors now, which is wonderful. You know, they're going into engineering, you know, nurses. So um, it's just tricky because I think kids really do a lot of homework. And they really, it amazes me mm-hmm. how these parents will run to, you know, 15 colleges. So, you know, you're, what I'm always trying to sell, and I don't want to use the word sell, is get them to buy into is the program. You know, and I want them to want to be there. And that's probably the big, and that was how, our coach was at Temple too. Like you, you have to want to be there. I'm not holding you captive. There's got to be something here that you really like about us. Um, so there, you know, I think there's a, I think there's a school for everybody. And um, I just, I love the recruiting piece. I love meeting the families, building relationships. And you know, you win some, you lose some, and that's okay. I always leave the door open. Hey, best of luck. You know, what a great school you chose. Our doors, always, our door is always open. You have four kids. You have one that's played played for you for both sports. Correct. So, yes, my daughter Jackie graduated last year, and I currently have my daughter Shay. Is if she does not play field hockey, she's on my uh, lacro- women's lacrosse team. What is that dynamic like? I mean, obviously it's wonderful, but is there any times where it's difficult towing the line between parent and coach? Or I shouldn't say towing the line, yeah. but where one role ends and the other begins? Yeah, I think it's probably tougher on them because I'm a little bit harder on them. Um I remember, so Jackie, who's now out of school, preseason field hockey season, I could tell her eyes were like filling up. Like preseason's tough. It's doubles, you know, whether it's football, whatever sport, it is exhausting. And I could see that she needed a hug, but I was, you know, you got 30 girls there. And I guess we're walking back and she's behind me with another freshman, Gabby. And I turn around and I just saw this look and I I, I hugged Gabby first then I hugged Jackie because I knew, you know, but once again, I, I would... Even though she's not my daughter, there's other players I do the same thing for. But so that was sort of a tricky moment. But I knew that there was a way to get around it because it was hard. Who she she can't go home and call her mom. Her mom's in the office. <laughs> so uh, the great thing is, you know, Jackie had a great career at Cabrini, so it's easy. There was never my biggest thing. I wanted to make sure that everybody I was that I was being very objective, and it was easy because she was very successful. So that was my biggest thing. If anything, my assistants were like, you know, I think I, I didn't start her first game, and they're like, would you please start her? And I'm like, I just wanted. You know, um, and she had a great career, Cabrini. And um, so I think I actually give my daughters credit because I'm sure it's not easy being the coach's daughter. You know, it's it's tough. I think there's times when kids are like, what are we doing today practice? And like, I don't know. I don't. She's my mom. I don't ask right. her. So um, but it's fun. I would have never seen my daughter play because I would have been coaching. And there's not many schools where she could have done both. So for Jackie, coming to Cabrini was perfect. And her brother, Sean, was a senior there. So her freshman year was a blast because she got to hang out with her brother. 
um, for Shay coming in and all her own so far. You know, right at the end of the year, she's having a very fulfilling lacrosse season, making great friends. So I, you know, I just I'm hoping that she has the same experience. All three of my kids actually went to Cabrini. Um, my older, my two boys. So I'm hoping that you know, this is my fourth one. If anything, I said to my husband, I knew we should have had two more daughters. Is that like <laughs> I went more recruits? <laughs> what is your favorite part of being? Well, I know the answer to this just in talking to you. It's the relationships. Yes. Do you prefer practice a game? Practice you get to teach. Obviously, game you get the the win, the loss, the yeah. competition. But the practice you get to teach. What? Do you have a preference or? So I do. Absolutely. I, I am not. I always say to the girls, I hate practice players. So I don't like girls. I mean, I, I want you or obviously you have to do well at practice to get the starting job. But for me, game time is when you're going to get paid. it done. Right. Yes. So um, that's why I really like to um, make our schedule tough. Because what happens is what goes on in that game, you know, win or lose, that next day you have a, that makes up the next practice. So for me, you know, I really rely on my practice schedule or what we're going to do that day usually comes off of what happened the previous day in the game. So um, I, I love games. I mean, I just and I love to see the the growth of kids over freshman year to senior year or from January right now with my lacrosse team. When I look at the team in January to now May. They're where they're there where we need to be, and that's exciting. So I try to instill throughout them the season to be patient. You know, we're going to make mistakes. There's a reason we do this, and I'm constantly articulating to them to trust me. You know, and not to be like the Sixers, trust the system, but <laughs> you know, trust it. Let's. It's okay. You know, yes, we just got our butts kicked by College of New Jersey, but it's going to make us stronger. You know, and this is why we do this. So as long as they, you know, I've been very lucky that my kids do trust me. If they buy into that. You know, knock on wood, historically, we have been in that championship game for lacrosse and hockey as well. We've, you know, we haven't had as many wins in a championship game, but in the, you know, lacrosse we have. So it's really just that growth that I'm looking for, you know, whether it be during the season or over the four years. As the coach of both, I mean, obviously, your field hockey is the focus in the fall yes. and, and lacrosse in the spring, but in this day and age, I would imagine both are to a point kind of 12-month-a-year sports. How do you juggle? It's tricky, yeah, because, you know, they, they call it the non-traditional season. So, you know, in, when we're in, right, being in lacrosse right now, in the spring, there's still we had to do a spring tournament and a Sunday at Haverford College. So, you know, I'm doing six days of lacrosse, then on that Sunday, let's go play field hockey. So I really credit the kids for being able to do that. You know, like, I'm like, you know, thanks for doing six days of lacrosse. And, all right, by the way, we're going to do a tournament on Sunday. Um, and that's the beauty of a lot of the Cabrini student-athletes. We, you know, we have multiple kids, especially on the female on the female side that play different. I have a kid right now on our women's lacrosse team, a sophomore that plays soccer, basketball, and lacrosse. Wow. That's unheard of, and is successful in all three of them. You know, so that's pretty awesome. So I really, I, you know, we try. I do the non traditional season. It's obviously obviously not as heavy as other schools where the coach just does one sport. But once again, I think kids that play for me are looking for that. You know, and I have the kids, so the kids that don't do, um, so I'll see like field hockey kids that don't have a space for it. They'll be out on the turf at one o'clock, hitting the ball around with each other. They'll, they'll make time to get out there and do it. But, you know, the majority of kids that I have are doing multiple and they love it. You know, and it's even though I, they have the same head coach, I have different assistants for both. So it is a different feel mm -hmm. from the hockey team. It's two different families. Um, and, you know, I think we enjoy the two different seasons. If there are there any parts of your job, that if you could snap your finger and get rid of, you would do it? 
necessary <laughs> evils that necessary. Ooh, ooh. When I ask this question of a lot of coaches, usually I get paperwork. There's a lot of paperwork, especially at the D two, D three levels that uh, maybe at the Division One level could get farmed out. Oh, that's true. It probably does. You're right. Yeah. yeah. To somebody else. Yeah. I don't think there, I mean, if for, for me, initially, when I became full-time at Cabrini, so I was part-time my first 10 years. I was the first full-time coach at Cabrini. Um, so for me, being in the office, that was sitting at a desk. That's why I wanted to get out to the field. So I enjoy being on the field more than I do the desk. But I, I think I love every aspect of the job, um, you know, the people I work with. and uh, But the my home is being out on the turf. I enjoy being on the field. That that's where I shine. Now you mentioned you were first generation college. Woman. Yes. So if I'm talking to say the the 16 year old Jackie Ooh. and I lay out this path you've traveled, would you have thought I was crazy, or do you think you would have been would have seen and been like? Uh, I could see that. I think I probably would have been like, "Wow, you mean I'm going to get to stay in athletics the rest of my life?" Because I'm one of those people that truly, looking back, when I that middle school experience of joining a team it was life changing. It was. I remember leaving school and crying, saying goodbye to my coaches. Those women that coached me, you know. And I think that's where one of the reasons I'm one of those parents that values teachers. They spend more time with your children a lot of times. They, when I look back at all my mentors, besides my parents, it was teachers, teachers and coaches. They shaped me, you know. So, I, if you would have told me, I would be like, wow, that that'll be really neat that I can have a chance to be involved with young adults and help you know develop them. And final question: How far have women's sports come during your career? Overall, I don't mean specifically yeah. Cabrini or Philadelphia. Yeah. I just mean. And I, well, I guess I was lucky because when, when I got into Temple, our coach would always remind us, um, you know, before we didn't have practice uniforms. Now you have them, you, you know. So I, I was lucky probably from the get-go in 82 when I started in that fall. We, had a, we did have a lot of Temple. Um, now I think it's crazy all, some of the things that you see the kids get. But I think it's good. So it, it's wonderful. that It has come a long way, and it's, it's, it's appropriate, you know, I, I'm more interested of watching USA women's soccer fighting for higher salaries and all that kind of stuff. It's very interesting, and that's not just in athletics. That's across the corporate world. You know, there's definitely a disparity. And uh, so I think, uh, you know, I think just the, the qualities that you pick up being a female student athlete really do well for you later in life. And um, the grit, the resilience, all the things that you learn, you know, forget the, you know— the trips that you might take, the spring training trips, the, the sneakers, the, the sticks. It's more about the life skills that you're picking up because of facing, you know, the success and the setbacks of sports. That'll shape you later, and I know that's what shaped me. Jackie Neri, head field hockey, women's lacrosse coach at Cabrini. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. And that will do it for Episode 9 of One-on-One with Matt Leon. One-on-One is a sports podcast from KYW News Radio. If you like this show, want to help us out, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. You can help more people find out about the podcast by finding the show on iTunes and leaving a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at One-on-One Pod. You can also follow me on Twitter at Matt Leon 1060 Thanks very much to Jackie Neary, head women's lacrosse, and field hockey coach at Division Three Cabrini University for being the guest this week. My name is Matt Leon. Come back next week for another good conversation with someone you should know more about.